So my name is Crystalisa Gilmore, um, and I love that intro just because I've been talking to my boyfriend about uh, the Key and Peel skit about <laughs> whenever I believe it's Key that is um, the school teacher, and he is like, hey, hey Ron, <laughs> and you know, he mispronounces all, <laughs> he mispronounces all of the white people's names, but got everybody, you know, all the black people's names. And I was just like, yes, because growing up, everybody wanted to call me Christina. And it drives me crazy because there's not an N anywhere in my name. Like in my full name, there's no ends. And somebody even called me Condoleezza. And I'm like, that's nowhere close to my name. It's Crystalisa. But um, yeah, absolutely. And um, so I am. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> because yeah, they always just want to make it harder than what it is. Because it's just like, you know, I can understand Christina because it's close. But at the same time, it's just like, y'all are making it harder than it has to be. So <laughs> let's just take a second. <laughs> I know. I was just like, I can't, I can't believe you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I am originally from Alabama and um, I went to high school in Ohio, Perry Township, Ohio, um, which is in between Canton and Maslin, Ohio. And um, my first job was when I was 18. I worked at CeCe's Pizza. <laughs> I um, started out in the dish pit and that was terrible. <laughs> because it was the first time <laughs> it was it was it, it oh my gosh and it was you know opening it was a soft open and it's like me and two other people we were there until one o'clock in the morning washing dishes and I was just like never again <laughs> I was like I never want to be in the dish pit. um and then I was a busser, and then I moved on to being the prepper, so making all of the dough and um, preparing the brownies and the cinnamon rolls. Um, and then I came to New Orleans. I went to college at Loyola University in New Orleans. I majored in uh, music business because um, I thought I was going to be a music producer and I was going to be like Missy Elliott. <laughs> um, that did not pan out for me. <laughs> And um, so then I got into uh, tourism and I was, um, once I officially finished my degree, I uh, was an assistant operations manager for um, a steamboat company here in New Orleans. And then after I was tired of that, I got a job um, working at an interactive dining restaurant, um, starting out as a sales assistant. And then I moved to the director of sales for that. And then I started my own um, music travel company. Um, and that was the worst thing ever. <laughs> um, and, then, um, and then after that, I uh, worked in event planning for a um, nonprofit that was a Black-owned nonprofit, New Orleans Jazz Orchestra. Um, and then the pandemic happened. And I started to really think about what it is that I wanted to do. I knew that I loved food and that I've always loved writing. So I was like, now's the perfect time to, you know, jump in and, and do something that I absolutely love and, and care about and 
you know, um, food is such a big part of who I am and my family, just being from Alabama, um, you know, it was just the way that we showed love and talked to each other. So, um, so now, you know, I'm working on this um, cookbook project, helping people write cookbooks and going through um, and every single month it has a different theme that we go through. So you write four recipes a month um, and at the end of the year, you'll have 52 recipes and then we can either compile everything for you or you can do it yourself. Um, and then I'm also working on a culinary cozy mystery. So that's me in a nutshell of what's going on. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, um, I, I always loved music. So I grew up singing in church. I, I'm from Alabama, so Southern Baptist for sure, you know, church every Sunday, Wednesday, Bible, whatever, all of that. So I loved music. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was like, yes, I'm going to be a music producer. And the thing is, my nickname is Missy. So, um, you know, I've been called Missy my entire life. And, and then I was like, <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm going to be the next Missy Elliott. I was like, I want to do this producing thing. I was always introducing people to new music. And um, I wanted to be like, you know, a DJ and everything else. And I was like, yes. So I was like, all right, music business program. I'm going to do it. And I got in. And then I was in the studio one day. We had to take analog. Uh, we had to do analog recording. And then... We were in there and we're recording and then we had to do a take. I don't know how many times. And I was like, see, you know what? I don't like this repetitiveness, <laughs> this repetitiveness. I was like, so this is not for me. <laughs> and then that's when I decided that I was like, nope, I'm not going to be a music producer because I'm not about to be in the studio sitting here and being like, okay, we're on take 50. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't do this. This is not what I'm meant to do in life so then I mean I still continued with the program I still have a you know music business degree but I thought about switching to philosophy and then my friends were like what are you gonna do with a philosophy degree and I was like I don't know go to law school um so that was <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and so I, I had a dream of going to law school as well being an entertainment lawyer um you know, being a music supervisor. I mean, it, it completely changed and up and down and everything else. But, um, you know, I tried the music thing and it, it just, it was, it was never the thing that really got going. Um, I was just always surrounded by food, you know, with the, with the steamboat job. It was also, you know, it's a restaurant as well. So they had lunch and dinner and, and then moving on to the interactive dining and, and being more involved with the cooking and not just the selling aspects, but you know, we would do Iron Chef competitions. And so occasionally there wouldn't be enough chefs. So it'd be like, all right, Chris Lisa, you're jumping in and being a sous chef. I'm like, all right. So, so, you know, I had that, got that experience and then writing recipes and editing recipes and putting together menus. I mean, all of that. And, and what was great, it was an all, fe it was an all female environment. And so at the time, so this was in 2013. So at the time, you know, at that time, women chefs were 
you know, still not being celebrated as they should have been. I mean, we've come a long way since then. And so it was just a really welcoming, <laughs> uh, not as much as they should be because, I mean, it's, yeah, it's still a struggle and, and, and I don't understand why, you know, but I mean, that's what you get when you're dealing with the patriarchy. But, um, you know, it was just the most welcoming environment um, and it was such a great learning environment, being around other women who just enjoyed cooking. They were great at it. And then also just teaching other people how to, you know, prepare a menu, you know, make gumbo, make jambalaya, you know, all of those things that people always want to learn how to make whenever they come to New Orleans. Um, but then also just kind of more upscale things. Um, you know, it was more geared towards fine dining. So, you know, we may might make a shrimp and papillote, you know, and and also make, you know, crepe Suzette and things like that. So where crepes are easy to make, but you know, they can also be kind of finicky in terms of how thin, how thick, you know, is it supposed to have a little brownness? No, it's not, you know. So all of those things, but just that entire um job totally changed my trajectory and just of what it is that I, I really wanted to do with my life. Absolutely. And I mean, working at CC's Pizza, just, just, I mean, granted it's more corporate and you have your, your explicit in instructions, of course, but at the same time, just, you know, back then I was like 115 pounds, picking up 50 pounds of dough, you know, putting it on the table and, you know, doing all that work and, and whatnot. So, I would say between CCs and working in the interactive dining and then, you know, of course, there's so much fine dining here in New Orleans and just going out to eat and hanging out with chefs. Um, I spent a lot of time hanging out with chefs. Um, you know, my boyfriend, you know, it's been a line cook in, you know, various restaurants here. And so our relationship is very connected by food and and just, you know, I have a lot of friends who are chefs and enjoy cooking. So I'm just constantly, and I love cookbooks. So I'm constantly reading and immersed in all things food all of the time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. I, I feel the same way. I mean, it, and it's part of the reason why, you know, I wanted to do, you know, start the cookbook project. It's, I mean, it's, it's geared more towards people, like more home chefs, but... I feel like it'd be beneficial for food bloggers as well, because it helps you sit here and then be able to create more stories, create recipes, refine what it is that you're doing. But then it also allows for you to, if you're a food blogger, create something to monetize something. So then you're not sitting here and waiting for like, oh, I'm going to get that cookbook publishing deal. That's really difficult to get, you know? It's like, why don't you take the initiative to do it yourself? But writing a cookbook is hard. It's difficult. It's not something that is easy. It's not something that you can do quickly. Um, and I think a lot of times with people, it, it's the time and the effort that that you have to put into it. Um, and just having somebody to guide you along is important. But I, I do believe that if you buy a cookbook, you should absolutely use it or at least read it. To me, I like reading it because there's some information that I get that I, you know, wouldn't know otherwise. Like Jubilee is probably one of my 
favorite cookbooks, Tony Tipton Martin is just a beautiful writer. Just the information and just all of the the research that she has done to compile something that is so beautiful, so put together, and it's so informative. Um, just of of different things, like I made a chocolate pound cake, and she has a a chocolate pound cake recipe, I believe, in her cookbook in Jubilee, and she was like, "Oh yeah, don't preheat the oven." have it, you know, start your oven off cold. And so then that way your your cake doesn't get too brown on the top and everything looks even. And I was like, you know what? I would have never thought to do that. I would have definitely preheated my oven because that's what everybody tells you to do. You got to preheat your oven. And it's just information like that is what you find in cookbooks because they've done the research. They've spent the time to make sure that whatever recipe that they're putting out there, putting in this, they want it to be successful for you. But then you do have those cookbooks where it, it seems like, did you even test this recipe? Because I know that that did not come out the way that it was supposed to. Um, <laughs> this is nasty. <laughs> and that, and, you know, I feel so bad saying that. But at the same time, there have been some cookbooks I've bought that I've just been like, I don't think they tested these recipes because there is no way <laughs> that should come out like that. So for me, it's so important for us to write things down, you know, I, because I, I realized this way too late in terms of both of my grandparents passed away and then there was this void of, oh, hey, let me ask my grandmother how to make this thing. And I'm like, I can't ask her. She's not here anymore. And we so often deal with that of where, you know, we have a family member or someone that we're close to that passes away suddenly. And then we're like, oh, you know, they made this really great dish that I can't remember. You know, I, I kind of know some of the notes, um, you know, things that were in there, but I don't know the exact. And I want to get it exact and I want to end it so much um, that you would have to do in order to recreate it and to, you know, to get it to, to what you can remember. And for me, writing has always been that thing of where we're, it's supposed to help us remember. It's for us to keep these memories. You know, we don't want our memories to become ghosts. Once, you know, if it stays oral, then they do become ghosts once the people are gone, you know what I mean? And so for me, I want it to be that people look at cookbooks in more of a way of telling their family history, telling their family stories. And it's not just something that is monetary, you know, it's not just something that we're trying to make money off of. It's for us to continue telling those stories and to be able to really showcase how much we have grown, how much we have, how much Black people have influenced, you know, the food world. Because in all honesty, that we have, and, and of course there are books and things out there that exist that, that tells us this, but not within our own families, you know? And it's so important for us to, to recognize our, our family history of, of whatever we can find, whatever we can hold on to. And that to me is like what I see as the future of us being able to have these familial things that can become heirlooms, things that we can really pass down that people are proud of, that they want to share with, with other people, 
not just within their own family, you know, and, and make it something that's accessible to everybody. And we kind of get that with the community cookbooks, right? Because there are some really great recipes in community cookbooks, but it's also very difficult to find, you know, like, all right, we got this church cookbook that we did, you know, 20 years ago, and, you know, the pages are falling apart and sticking together and, you know what I mean? And I just, and it's just like, you should be able to have that and it should be easily accessible, you know what I mean? And I think we're gonna go more towards digital. I, I think that just the physical copies, um, it's very important. I like physical books, I do, but I think, you know, we're just living in digital times. We're, we're moving so fast in terms of technology that that's what's gonna be important. That's something that we can then keep and it can be passed on, it can be archived. Um, a lot easier than something that's, you know, on paper and paper disintegrates, you know, and digital stuff lasts forever. So, you know, I, I think that's where we're going. And I'm hoping that more people start to really see the benefit of writing things down and not just, you know, um, leaving it up to us just telling, telling how to make a recipe and things like that. I mean, I made cornbread dressing for Thanksgiving. The first time I made it, it was terrible because I followed the recipe my mom gave me. And then the second time I made it, I talked to my mom and I talked to my sisters. And then my mom's like, oh, well, you know, I wrote three or four eggs, but you know what? I actually used six to eight eggs. And I'm like, I'm like, listen. <laughs> like why why are you doing this to me <laughs> is that is that's what I, <laughs> and that's the thing that I'm like really talking about of how you have a recipe but it's not complete you know and you're just sitting here like well why didn't you put this down there oh well you know I just like to change it up and then also you know at least in my nobody ever measures anything and so then you just have this list of ingredients and they're like, well, you know, I don't measure, you know, I just, you just got to taste it in order to, you know, and I'm like, which is great. Cause that means that you're really cooking from the heart. You're really more feeling it. And so I, I like that because to me, recipes are guidelines. You don't have to follow it exactly. That's also my, my, my problem with cookbooks is like when people write a recipe, they want you to do it exactly so that you you so that you understand their story. And me, I'm just like, nope. <laughs> it's not that I don't want to understand the story. It's just that I'm like, you're sitting here using blueberries. I don't like blueberries, so I'm taking them out, you know. And um, but I really, I really want to get to being able to just creating a recipe from a cookbook exactly like it is. And then just being like, okay, I see the things that I want to change. I want to tweak. This is how I can make it my own. But then also at the same time, understand why they're like, why that story matters to them, why that recipe matters. Um, I'm not quite there yet because <laughs> I'm always like, oh no, we about to change all of this. Stuff. <laughs> but you know, um, so it's really actually more like, a course, and I'm kind of like a cookbook coach, <laughs> is what I, I, I realize that is what it's more like, because I do believe that people have a lot of food stories to tell, and that they just don't have access to be able to tell it, or they don't know how to put it together, you know, I read a lot of, a lot of books, a lot of cookbooks, 
you know, like one of the great books, one of the books that I found that was just really helpful and informational is Will Write for Food. And it's a book that literally goes through all the different styles of writing. So it's like how to write a cookbook, how to write a food memoir, how, you know, how to write a blog and all these different things. And all of that information is fantastic. But there's so many people who kind of just do uh, food for as a hobby. You know, they're a home cook, you know, they're just at home having fun with it. They don't want it to be too serious. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I think it'd be really great for people to be able to create a family heirloom of having this cookbook, you know, and it's digital. So you can send it out to whomever they can have it, you know, but also at the same time, it's, it's compiled enough and, and, and set up enough so where if you wanted to go and get it printed, that you could go and get it printed, that it, that it's absolutely set up that way. Um, and so really the idea just came from, you know, me not having access to my grandparents and being able to ask them questions uh, about things, you know, um, I'm from Alabama, my, my grandparents had a farm, um, you know, we grew up where we basically grew all of our produce like I didn't I hardly remember going to a grocery store whenever I was a kid and growing up and and my favorite thing in the entire world is sitting in my grandparents living room and shelling peas you know the five gallon buckets of of peas and and so I really wanted to be able to allow for people to create that to remember those stories and to be able to share them not only with their family but with their friends and whoever else and it's also it can be about a relationship as well you know how my boyfriend and I we're very connected by food and so it's something to where you can tell a love story through food and if you wanted to sit here and be like oh well our first date was at this restaurant and we want to recreate this thing then you can go through and create a timeline of your relationship all through food and by creating this cookbook. So for me, it's just anybody who's a food lover, who's a foodie, you know, a food blogger, of course, you can monetize it. If you're a home cook, it's a family heirloom. You know, if you are, um, you know, it can be for a chef, but I, you know, for me, I feel like chefs already know that and, it, and it's not meant to be a professional cookbook. It is meant to be something that is, personal but at the same time it, it has all of those things that you would have in a professional cookbook but you know those take a lot longer to do you know so it's like even then this project takes a year it's not something that is going to happen very quickly but it's also giving you space in and time to focus on one thing a week you know it's like one recipe a week it's not something that is too difficult for people to do. And it's also focusing on doing like, one week you're gonna focus on a breakfast item, next week lunch, next week dinner, next week dessert. So then after all that, you have a bunch of different recipes for breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. You can create menus from everything that you have made. So it's like you have all the different, um, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, you have menus. And then you have your recipes, you have your food stories. If you want to put in there how you prepare things, things that you want to use, that you make, you know, like, oh, I use this pot and pan, you know, I use these ingredients or whatever. That is also important too, just because, you know, for some people, you know, they swear by one particular item in their kitchen. 
And that's how, you know, they make everything. It's like, oh, I can't do anything without my cast iron and then make it to where, oh, you want to focus on doing everything with a cast iron. Like, that is what it is. It can be whatever you want it to be. And that's really what I wanted is I'm just here to help you help guide you along. But it's just to be, you know, to make it to where you can tell these wonderful stories through food. Because we just have so many to be able to tell and be able to share and it's so important to me because we are all so easily connected through food. You know, it's something that we need, it's sustenance, and it's something that we can so easily share even if we don't speak the same language. Um, and so that that was the main reason, the main focus behind it. And, you know, it's it's been a journey, it's been a process. Um, you know, there's still so much left to do. Um, but at the same time, it's, um, so right now, none, <laughs> just being completely honest, um, it, just because it's also very, you know, it's a niche thing and it, it's not something that is, you know, cheap, cheap to do. So it, cause it's time consuming on, on my part, because it's, I'm also just making it to where I'm doing weekly check-ins, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to check in with you weekly. We're going to talk about these things and then we can have, you know, monthly um, check-ins with the entire group. And so it makes it to where it's much more personal. Um, you know, I think when I originally started it, I was like, yeah, I want thousands of people and everything else. And then I just really thought about it and I was just like, you know, it's like, no, I don't, you know, I just want like a small amount of people. I just want 25 people to start off with, you know, and just kind of see where it goes, get the feedback that's needed in order for, for it to be as successful as possible going forward. And so, you know, starting a business is, is difficult, especially during a pandemic and, 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 and trying to figure out the pivot and the thing that's right and how to market it and everything else. And then you're like, oh, I got to do all of this writing. And, you know, as much as I love writing, it's like, I'm also a mom and I'm mostly a single mom. You know, my, you know, my significant other works in New York and, and he's gone the majority of the time. He comes home once a week, like, you know, every other month, it seems like. And, and so it makes it to where, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you know but <laughs> so but I mean that's really really where the idea came from and what it is you know what I want to accomplish is like I said for people to to be able to share their food stories and to share it in the way that they want to share it and not having it to where it doesn't have to be that polished and professional style of cookbook it doesn't have to be that and I think a lot of times you know when we sit here and we see these people who have these professional cookbooks done beautiful photography everything else we're like yes we want that and I'm like well that costs a lot of money <laughs> and we don't have that and it's okay to sit here to create something to where it doesn't have to be perfect but it just has to be enough for you, you know? And, and at the same time, it's something that it can grow to be. If you want to take this, you know, the cookbook of you project and your cookbook that you create, and then you do want it to be something that you publish and go on to do that, then it's where you've already done the hard work. 
you've already written the stories, you've already written the recipes, you know, you've tested the recipes up to a certain extent, and then you've had somebody look it over, you know, edit it for you. And then it's just really getting everything else right, the head notes, uh, you know, all the ingredients, how to write a recipe. I mean, how to write a recipe is, is one of those things that you think is universal, that everybody knows, but it's really not something that everybody knows. And especially with like food bloggers, it's really one of my big things, or even finding recipes on the internet, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that looks really, really great. You know, that's how we get so many Pinterest fails, right? Is because, you know, somebody just put a recipe up there. This is like, you know what? <laughs> this is this is not this is not right. So for me, it's like I'm I'm helping you create something that can go on and be bigger if you want it to be. But you just have to get started. And a lot of time that's the thing. It's it's the getting started. That's the hard part. And then it's like once you have somebody that's there to support you and to help you through it, I mean, then there's nothing but success after that. And, you know, success is also just dependent on what you view it as. But just doing the work every single day is success in and of itself. Because so many of us are struggling with so many different things that just doing those little bitty things every single day is is what's most important. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I am the exact I'm the exact same way. <laughs> so I'm always like, how can I help you make this better? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I have, I have that, that dream too. For me, what I, what is my biggest dream and goal is to have a farm and breakfast. This is the thing that I've been thinking about for like the past 10 years. So, you know, I want to buy some land. I want to create a farm and I want it to be that people can come and they, you know, they're going to pick whatever they need to. We're going to have dairy cows and goats and everything. And you really get the farm experience, but then you're going to go back in and then you're going to be able to create from those ingredients that you just picked. And then at the same time, now with the Cookbook of You project, it's like you can add that on to where then it becomes an actual experience of where you're, you can have a retreat that, you know, it can be a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of days. You can come and you can create a couple of recipes. You can learn what it's like to really feel the dirt in your hands and, you know, what it's like to pick strawberries and what it's, what it's like to pick a fig from a tree and, and taste it and be like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing to have it so fresh. You know, that to me is like the bigger thing of, of the growth that I want to get to because so often, you know, with the pandemic, we learned where our food comes from like we pay more attention to it now of like oh that came from a farm you know and and of course you have more produce boxes that are being um you know distributed and you know csas and stuff like that but at the same time we're still so far away from it we have all these food deserts that exist and you know we're seeing more urban gardening and urban farming um, and we're really getting back to the roots. And I think especially with Black people, it's, it's a little bit more difficult because you have it in terms of, okay, well, during slavery, we were we were forced to do this type of work. And now we're seeing to where it's becoming um, 
where we understand that we were forced to do this type of work, but at the same time, it was beneficial to us, the history, the things that we have learned, what we can do with our hands and our fingers is so important. And it's so ingrained in us, not because someone made us do it, but because we knew how to do it beforehand. And they just took and exploited our skills, you know what I mean? And, and I think it's great that we're starting to understand that we can also benefit from that. We don't, it doesn't have to be exploited. We can sit here and make it our own. And I think that's really the main goal It's like for us to be able to get back to being able to producing our own food and, and not having to, res not having to depend on grocery stores for everything, you know, um, it, to me, that would be the main thing because farmers struggle. Being a farmer is hard. Um, you know, that's one of the things my grandfather was adamant about wanting his children and his grandchildren to not have to work as hard as he did with farming. So he never taught us anything about farming because he was like, this is hard work and you should not have to be, you shouldn't have to do this. You should be able to go get an education and go get a nice job and, and not have to be out in the hot sun. And for me now, I'm like craving that being out in the hot sun and, and like wanting to do that and wanting to produce it and wanting to be like, well, you were able to do this and you, you know, you were able to sustain an entire family and, and be able to do that. And you still got by every day and you still woke up, you went to church, you were happy, you had a job, you did all of it. And, you know, the thing is, is like our ancestors did so much and we, we owe them so much. And I think from writing a cookbook to creating a farm and breakfast, I mean, it's so much more that we can do because of them. And, and it's just so important for us to be able to get back to that. So to really create it, make it full circle and make it to where, you know, our ancestors suffered, but we don't have to, we can turn whatever they had to do into something way more positive. Um, and I think we're, we're moving a little bit closer to that you know but it's still a struggle obviously with the way that um the united states is set up and the world is set up but you know what i mean because because <laughs> you know getting farmland is is you know difficult in terms of accessing it and then also just having the means in order to to do everything that comes along with it and and you know there's this there's like 900 and something acres of land that's available in Alabama and it's like $3.8 million. And it's like, it's got a full lake and it's got timber and it's got farmland. And it's like all of these different things of where you can literally create so much and do so much for not only, you know, yourself, but your other communities that are close by that might not have access to the things. And, to me, Alabama has a dear place in my heart because I'm from Alabama and, you know, people always think the worst of Alabama because there is some, you know, backwards thinking there. But at the same time, it's it's so beautiful and and people struggle there because people don't want to come there because of the, the antiquated thinking of what Alabama is. But Alabama is so much more and we we owe it to ourselves to sit here and help everybody in every state. And I know it sucks to have to deal with those laws that, you know, come from some Southern states, but at the same time, it's, it's harming, it's harming us, you know, we're not being able, out there and helping 
the people who absolutely need help because you know it's like oh well you have these different laws and stuff and I'm like yeah I know but how can we affect change if we're not actively in the community trying to change it so that to me is is the the bigger the bigger picture of creating something that's much much deeper and much more um informative and informational and transformative um really because that's what food is you know it transforms and it transforms us and i think it's just we're at a point to where we really have to pay closer attention to those types of things you know we only have one earth and now we're trying to conquer mars so you know it's like well <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and the conquering, not conquering. Yeah, you know, and it's just, it's interesting to just see how, how far we've come in terms of, okay, now we're on Mars and there's, things are flying and we've created oxygen and, and, and it's just like, it's amazing. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we are having a depleted ozone and we're still fighting over whether or not we should be saving our own planet. And you're sitting here trying to go to another one and destroy it because our current planet is dying because of us. <laughs> and it's just like, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um so i across all social media platforms it's at crystalisa just my name um and website crystalisa.com uh the cookbook of you project is projects.crystalisa.com pretty much everything is branded with my name because my name is unique and it deserves to be out there in the world. I am named after my mother and um, it is important to me that people know this name and not the the Missy name, which, it, you know, it's a nickname, but at the same time, it just, just a little aside, it always reminds me of my, my uncle when I was in college and he was like, you should put Missy on your resume. So then that way people think that you're white and you won't, you know, and they might hire you for a job. And I was like, no, I was like, because if they're going to discriminate against me for my name, that means it's a place that I don't want to work at. Um, but yes, yeah, so across all platforms, Crystalisa, Crystalisa at Crystalisa.com if you want to send an email. Um, and yeah, so you can reach out in all of those different areas. Um, I have a newsletter as well. You hear my child in the background. Um, uh, it's a uh, <laughs> he did. I was, <laughs> I was very surprised. <laughs> um, and then um, I'm on Substack as well. <laughs> I'm really proud of him because I really thought he was gonna come and <laughs> come in a lot earlier. So I'm super proud um but yeah but i'm on subs <laughs> but yes 
So, um, yes, I'm on Substack. I think it's substack.crystalisa.com. I think that's what it is. Um, and then, I, you know, I have some other stuff that um, I'm really into books. So I have, but, you know, I have an account, 105 books and a girl, which I started many years ago because I was like, I have so many books that I haven't read. I'm going to read all the books on my shelf. And then, um, yeah, no. And I continue to buy books. Um, that is my guilty pleasure. People buy shoes. I buy books repeatedly, nonstop cookbooks. But it doesn't matter what it is. I'm buying it and I might start reading it. I might finish it, might not. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so um, with the newsletter, I just, um, I talk about just many random different things and also about my culinary cozy mystery that I am working on um, as well. It's main character's name is Andy Ray. Um, her name is Andy Ray Walker-Cruz and she is a newsletter writer and cookbook editor and she solves mysteries in Alabama. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> he will continue nonstop. He loves the alphabet. <laughs>